Good morning, church. It's so good to see all of you here. Um, it's so good to be in the house of God this morning. Um, I'm glad you're here. Um, uh, it's always good to be in the house of God to worship Jesus, but I'm sure some of, some of us, maybe a small minority, to take comfort from what happened last night, right? You need some comforting in the souls, you know, the atrocity that happened to uh, England and Portugal last night, right? Oh my goodness, we need comfort in our souls. Bless you, Lord Jesus. <laughs> How many of us stayed up to watch the England-France map? Match, you stayed up. Way, yeah, there are a few of you. Good to see you in church. It's so good. All right. Uh, um, yep. Cool. <clears throat> We're in the book of Judges uh, and um, going to the semifinals of the World Cup. <laughs> but we're in the book of Judges. Um, you know, it's, it's a brilliant time this year because as I was reflecting, you know, this is the last week we're doing Judges. Next week, we're transiting into something new. So stay tuned. Come back next week to what is new um, next week. But we're closing the book of Judges. Uh, I will be focusing on chapter 17 and 18. But I also, what I want to do is, uh, as I, I looked at the book of Judges, you see, Judges is not a standalone book. It's very difficult to understand Judges if you don't understand the context of Judges, which is Deuteronomy and, and the book of Joshua, which is, incidentally, we studied this year as well, the book of Deuteronomy, then Joshua, then Judges. So I will talk I will go into chapter 17 and 18, but I also want to give an overview and a remembrance of where God has brought us this year. Because sometimes when God gives us scripture, God gives us uh, books to study, you know, He's speaking to us through His Word. He's speaking prophetically into the season that we're in as His people and the season that SIBKL is in. Is that it? Yeah. So today, I want to talk about the book of Judges 17 and 18. And the title of my sermon is, It's Me. Hi, I'm the problem, it's me. So I, I hear laughter, which is good, which means that you know what I'm saying, right? It's me, hi, I'm the problem, it's me. At tea time, everybody agrees. Oh, come on, guys, I know you know it, you're shy. You're shy, Swifty fans, okay. Um, but it's so true. You know, as we look at the book of Judges, um, it's so easy to think, ah, you know, this Samson, you know, this, oh, this Gideon, you know, this, this man, this Jeth, Jetheth, oh, these men, uh, they fell. You know, it's easy to say, oh, it's Israel, you know, the Israel always going to sin. But it's, 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 sometimes, it's sometimes the book of Judges is a reflection of who we are. And that's why I call myself, it's me. And hi, the problem is me. And until we own that we are that problem, there is no, there's no moving forward, right? So today I hope you do some, a bit of reflection and then I'm going to end. So I've got a two-part sermon. I, wanna, I think, you know, the last four books or five books of the book of Judges is almost like a summary of the whole book of Judges, the summary of the human condition. So I'll go into the human condition a little bit and I will bring to us how depraved uh, uh, human beings can be and then I want to talk about the promise that is in Jesus Christ. You see, um, in the book of Judges, I'll show my first map. There we go. This map is the map of Deuteronomy, Judges, and uh, uh, the book of Joshua. In the book of Joshua, when God called the Israelites to step into the promised land, to conquer and to gain the promised land, He says, when you have done so, divide the land into 12, because there are 12 tribes. So you're going to divide the land into 12 tribes. So this is the division of, of the 12 tribes. This is your inheritance of the Lord. This is where the 12 tribes will settle in the land of Israel. But today, we're not going to talk about the whole 12 tribes. We're going to focus in on these two tribes, very significant tribes in the closing books um, um, of, of, of Judges. You see, this is the tribe of Ephraim, which is Judges 17. Uh, uh, Ephraim, there's a significant place called Bethel. So just keep the map in the recesses of your mind, so to pull it up at any time you want. So that's the map, Ephraim and Bethel. Then beside Ephraim is the tribe of Dan. So these are the two allotted land that God has given these two tribes to settle in and to inherit. This is the tribe of Dan, all right? So Dan, we're going into a lot more in chapter 18. So you keep this map in mind. I'll bring it up again once more in the future. But because chapter 17 and 18 is quite long, I will summarize it for you. Then I'll go into my first three points. You see, in Judges 17 comes right after Samson. Samson has died. So the last two weeks, we studied about Samson. Samson has passed away. Brilliant sermons. We learned so much from it. At least I learned so much from it. Um, and now we're coming to 17, and it starts this way. Now, a man named Micah, or in Hebrew, Micah, from, a, from the hill country of Ephraim, 
This Micah is, is one of the prominent figures of chapter 17, but he's not to be confused with the prophet Micah. So there are two big Micahs in, in, in the Old Testament. One's the prophet, uh, the minor prophet, and then there is this Micah here. Now, what is so significant about this man called Micah? He is from the hill country of Ephraim. So he's from the tribe of Ephraim. And this Micah, what he did is he set up a shrine in Bethel. All right? So he set up a shrine of, 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 of gods. There's no specific what god it is, but he set up a shrine of gods. The reason why I know it's a plural kind of gods is because when the Bible said that Micah set up a shrine, the word shrine is Bethel Elohim. Bethel Elohim. Bethel being house, all right? Elohim being gods, plural, G-O-D, small g. So Bethelohim means house of gods, which means that Micah set up a house of the myriads of gods. We don't know how many, but gods, plural, right? In the town of Bethel. Very important, this town, because it plays a significant role in the exilic period of, 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 of Israel and pre-exilic of Israel. Now, in Micah, when he set up an idol, this idol, according to the Bible, is 200 shekels, which is 2.3 kilograms of silver. All right, just so that you can imagine, because hey, I'm I'm a visual learner that way. I, I need to know how big is this idol, because is it like is it huge? Is it a huge idol? You know, like a shrine, a huge shrine, or is it like a small little one that we can put in the houses? So 2.3 kilograms is almost like a newborn baby. So I want you to imagine uh, the size of a newborn baby. That's the size of an idol. So it's not that big. It's, it's, just, it's just about this big. It's a shrine that can fit a house. But a shrine, when the Bible talks about when you set up a shrine, like Gideon set up a shrine. Now Micah has also set up a shrine. A shrine is where people all around the area will come to your house to worship at your shrine. When they come to your house to worship at your shrine, obviously you incur a tax, a shrine tax or a temple tax, right? So that way you gain money out of the worship and you gain uh, uh, influence out of the worship. Micah set up this shrine. Now midway through, we fast forward to Judges. Before we fast forward, midway in chapter 17, there was this Levite. There was a Levite, a priest that came to Micah's house and Micah says, I want to hire you, Levite, as a priest. Can you be my personal priest to this shrine? Every shrine needs a priest. So he hired this Levite as a personal priest. I want you to imagine like you hire a pastor to be a personal pastor to minister at your house at all time. Now it's not right uh, uh, back in Israel, but I explain why it's not right. So now we've got Micah. Now we've got the Levite. Then we move on to chapter 18, where 18 talks about the tribe of the Danites. And it starts this way. In those days, Israel had no king, and everybody did what is right in their own eyes. So in the book of Deuteronomy, um, <clears throat> now I can't remember which chapter, but in the book of Deuteronomy, you can Google it later, all right? I'm very sure it's there because I read it. Uh, uh, the Lord God Almighty said, very clearly, He gave a commandment to Moses. You, people of Israel, cannot do what is right in your own eyes. You cannot do what you want willy-nilly. I'm paraphrasing here. And you must obey the laws that God has given you. So here, we know how far Israel had fallen because it starts off with there was no king and Israel did what is right in their own eyes. But then it goes, and in those days, the tribe of the Danites was seeking a place to own the tribe of the Danites. So in 18, we're introduced to these Danites people and they want to look for a place. So what they did was they went to Micah's house. Remember Dan and Ephraim was quite close. So Dan walked around, stumbled across Ephraim, stumbled across Bethel, stumbled across the house of Micah. And what they did is, we like this priest. We like this shrine because of course it brings income, it brings influence, it brings power. We like these two things. We want to take it for our own. Then they went up north to set up a city and to worship and place their shrine over there. That's the whole context of chapter 17 and chapter 18. And here is the crux of my sermon. I want to read to you this portion of Scripture. And I'll, this portion of Scripture takes off to where the story ends. Judges 18, 22, 24 says, When they had gone, they being the Danites, 600 armed Danites, had gone some distance from Micah's house, the men who lived near Micah were called together and overtook the Danites. As they shouted after them, the Danites turned and said to Micah, what's the matter with you that you called out your men to fight? Micah replied, well, you took the gods I made and my priest and went away. What else do I have? How can you ask what's the matter with you? Okay, <clears throat> let me read it in a black slang. I like to be pretentious that way. 
All right, verse 24. And Micah replied, mm, you took the gods that I made. All right, you took my priest, you went away, what else do I have? All right, and then the, uh, the Danite said, okay, that was just a shock in every moment. And then the Danite said, we've got 600 men, do you want to fight us for it? And Micah says, okay, fine, we won't fight you for it. So Micah went home, and the Danite took the shrine. What's the point of all this? You see, when we study the book of Judges, it's always about Israel turning to idolatry. It's always about maybe Gideon turning to idolatry or Samson, you know, marrying a Philistine. It's always about that. But sometimes we don't understand what the, what the significance it is for us. You know, we, what, how many of us were marrying a Philistine? No. You know, how many of us set up an idol? I'm, I hope not. You know, how many of us go and worship at a shrine? I hope not. So sometimes we fail to see the significance of the book of Judges in our lives. But I think chapter 18 summarizes it very, very well. Because God is still warning the people of God to this day, do not set up idols in my name. That's the Ten Commandments right there, isn't it? God is still warning us. But how do we know? Sometimes we're going about our own lives so well, so fun, so willy-nilly, that we forget. And we, we forget that sometimes we, we put idols in the place of Jesus Christ. But the question then is, how do we know that we have set up idols in the place of Jesus Christ? And actually, chapter 18 answers this very well. And this is how we know. By one question that Micah has asked is how we know. He asked the Danites, what else do I have? Danites, you took my gods, you took my shrine, you even took my pastor away. What else do I have? What is the significance of this question? The significance is, when everything was taken away from Micah, he started to question, who am I without these things? If I don't have all these things attached to my life, what significance do I hold? What prominence do I Where is the meaning of my life without these things? That's when you know that these things, whether gold or whether silver or whether possessions or whether inheritance, means more to you than the Lord our God. That's when you will know that these things are your most dearest and your most cherished things in your own life, even higher than Jesus himself. And you've got to ask yourself, do you, have you ever asked, maybe not explicitly, but what else do I have? You see, in the, in, in the COVID season, really draws this out from us best. Because in COVID, we, we lose a lot, right? We have lost a lot, whatever it may be that we have lost. And how you handle that loss will, will actually tell you who is your king and who is your God. Because for some of us, it's very easy to say, money is not my king, money is not my God. I don't chase money, money chase me. No, I don't chase money, right? I wish money chased me, right? I don't chase money. But what if one day it's all taken away from you? How would you feel? Of course, you feel a sense of loss, but will your whole identity be broken? Will you wage war with the Danites over it? Will you, will you, will you bring up your angry men uh, to fight people for it? Will you steal just to get your significance back? That's how you know. How do you know your career means more to you than Jesus? And when it is taken away from you, when you've lost your job, you've lost your, your income, and your whole world crumbles, that's when you know that your career means more to you than Jesus himself. How do you know that your family, if your children uh, could be your gods, could be your little gods? Now these days, you know, uh, little children, well, I have two and a four. A little children, it's so easy that they dictate my schedule. They dictate the food I eat. They dictate what time they sleep. They dictate what toys to play, all right? It's, for, it's very easy for little children to play little idols in our lives. How do we know? It's when it is taken away from us, that's when we know who our Jesus is. So sometimes we got to ask ourselves, what else have you ever asked yourself? What else do I have if these things were taken away from me? It's a little, you know, you know we've got to camps. So There's a little game we play, right? If you lose all your savings, how would you feel? If you lose your spouse, how would you feel? If you lose your house, how would you feel? If you've never played that game, next year we'll have a young adults camp. Come, we'll play that game, okay? And then we'll, we'll find out. But you know, it's so subtle, the grip of the enemy over our lives that we don't even know that all these things have a greater grip over our lives more than Jesus himself. And long before you know it, we're so easily influenced by culture. You know, as I was uh, uh, reading about idolatry, 
I'm thinking, what is, what is the modern-day equivalent of a lot of idolatry in our lives? And I stumble across, with some friends that helped me, I stumble across um, um, something that was created in 2014. You see, there is a bunch of movement that is anti-God, right? You're anti-God. So everything that is of God, you're anti-God. You're, athe- you're atheist, anti-God. Everything, you hate everything of God. It's all about me. I'm in power. So 2014, a bunch of atheists uh, 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 created something because to them, to them, to a, peop- to, people, to a group of people who are anti-God, following the Ten Commandments, it's almost being subjugated under a God to which they are not happy with. Right? So you can't follow the Ten Commandments. But then if you don't follow the Ten Commandments, under which rule of authority and law do you fall under? So there's a group of people that came up with something very new. It's called the 10 new commandments of this day. So at second service, I didn't quote it so well. So today, I thought I want to quote it better. You see, there's a 10 new commandment, and it's very, very disturbing. I'll tell you just two. You're interested to hear? Yeah? The first one is this. Be open-minded and be willing to alter your beliefs with new evidence. You see, when Jesus says, you know, everything is a counterfeit of what Jesus says. When Jesus says that I am the truth, the way, and the life, I'm the beginning and the end, I am the anchor for your soul, I breathe life into you, I am the, capital T, God, capital G. I am the, I am law, I am morality, I am goodness. Anti-God people says, you are willing to alter your beliefs. You can change wherever the wind blows Wherever the wind goes, whatever you feel that is good for you, you can change your beliefs. Whatever you think that is good for your family, you do what is good for your family. And that becomes your religion. That's a little scary. One more. God is not necessary to be a good person or to live a full and meaningful life. So you don't need God to live a meaningful life. So the, the, I mean, I'm just reading two, but there are 10 new commandments. Now, what is scary in 2022 is what they did. They, they're not just happy that there's new commandments. What they did is they went up to Mount Sinai, they carved out two stones, they carved these Ten Commandments in stones, and they says, we are going to replace the original Ten Commandments with the new Ten Commandments that is purely anti-God. That's the world we live in. But sometimes you ask, where does this start? How, how, how did we get from here to there? It all starts with a little, little bit of compromise with a little bit of, ooh, I want to indulge in whatever it may be, in the things of this world instead of Jesus Christ. It starts there and then it, it, it carries on and it goes deeper and deeper. And now we're living in a culture where people are publicly declaring their hatred for God. And we need to push back against this culture of darkness. You see, when you take the first point, when Micah asks, what else do I have? He's lost everything. But it doesn't even stop there. The book of Judges brings us deeper. You see, in Judges 18, 27, it continues. It says, So the Danites sent five of their leading men to spy out the land and explore it. They told them, go explore the land. Then they took what Micah had made and his priest. So they took it, as I told you, went to Laish against a people at peace and secure. They attacked them with the sword and burned down their city. The Danites rebuilt the city and settled there. They named it Dan after their ancestor Dan, who was born to Israel, though the city used to be called Laish. There, the Danites set up for themselves the idol. You see, it does not go for now from a personal idol, a me idol. Now it moves to a clan idol, a tribe idol, an us idol. So it's me. Me, I don't affect you. That's fine. Micah, you do Micah. But now the Bible takes us to say the Danites set up a shrine, a whole tribe, a whole race of people set up a shrine. I want to explain how disturbing this is. And it's not explicit, but if you read Deuteronomy, Joshua, and Judges, you would understand the significance of just this small portion. You see, that up there is the new city of Dan. You see it? The small circle? That's above the Sea of Galilee, by the way. Now, that's, now that's what I call determination. When you really want a new city, you have, you, I don't know how long they have to walk, months of months of walk, just to find a new city for themselves. But the, the, the subtlety here is, now you, of course you ask, you know, what's wrong with settling in a new land? That's okay. Didn't God give them the whole Israel? You see, the subtlety here is God never, never gave them this land. This land belongs to the tribe of Manasseh and Naphtali. It does not belong to the Danites. The Danites God gave belongs down here. God says, this is your inheritance, Danites. You are to take it, conquer it, and make it your own. 
doesn't that spell the human condition? When God gives us a task and we says, nope, I want something else. The grass is greener on the other side. I want to do something else with my life. You see, the significance of the Danites is, this just came from the, the story of Samson. You see, I believe Samson didn't, the story of Samson doesn't just end on Judges 16. I believe it ends on Judges 18. Because Samson comes from the tribe of Dan. He's a Danite. What is the purpose of Samson? Do you remember? We studied this for two weeks, four sermons. What is the purpose of Samson? He said it very clear in Scripture. Samson was birthed to lead the Israelites out of the captivity of the Philistines and to deliver Israel from the Philistines. That was his purpose. I ask you, did he fulfill it? No. Was Israel under the captivity of the Philistines for over 20 years? Yes. When he died, was Israel still under the Philistines? Yes, it was. So you've got to ask yourself, why did the Danites refuse to settle here and had to travel all the way up north? Because number one, they saw the Philistines and they were afraid. They were more afraid of the Philistines than they believed in the promises of God. They were more afraid. And even after point number two, God gave them Samson, a judge to deliver them. Did they win? No, they did not inherit the promises that God has told them to inherit, but instead they looked somewhere else. Samson had his eye on a Philistine girl. The Danites have their eye on the tribe of Manasseh and Naphtali's land. They didn't want what God wants for them. They wanted to tell God what is good for their lives. That is scary because you fast forward decades of years, the the, the, the prominence of the, the city called Bethel, the two circles, you can put it up the map one more time. If the prominence of this city called Bethel and the prominence of that northern city called Dan takes place in King Jeroboam the first time. You see, after King David had died, the kingdom was split. After Solomon had died, the kingdom was split into two. Rehoboam took the southern kingdom, two tribes, and Jeroboam took the northern kingdom, ten tribes. And in the northern kingdom, what Jeroboam did was he made two golden calves and he put one at Bethel and the other at Dan so that the whole of Israel would worship at the shrine of the golden calves. From then on, Israel spun into captivity by the Assyrians because God was unhappy with them. You see, if you ask yourself, if you only read Kings, 1 Kings chapter 12, when Jeroboam did what he did, you're asking yourself, why? How did Jeroboam pick the city of Bethel and pick the city of Dan. Why these two cities? And, and why, why shrines of idols? Because the story does not start there. The story started in the book of Judges, where a guy called Micah and a tribe called Dan set up their shrine in Bethel and set up their shrine in Dan. That's how it started. Then you ask, okay, setting up a shrine, but why did they do it? It did not start there. It did not start there. Where did it start? It started in the book of Joshua, chapter 21, I believe. Check me out. 20 or 21. When God said, tribe of Dan, I give you this land. And the Danite says, nope, I don't want this land. It is too difficult for me. You want me to fight the Philistines? They've got iron chariots. They live by the sea. They're richer than earth. They've got bronze. We've got nothing. It's too difficult. Instead, I would rather travel up north to fight and kill a peaceful city. And that speaks of the depravity of humankind. Don't you think? Sometimes God is speaking to us. Go and do this. Go and do that. Go and reconcile with your spouse after an argument where you know, you know you are 99% wrong, all right? You know in your heart of hearts, you started the fight. You were being grumpy. You, you, you were the problem, all right? But you refused. And then you asked five years down the road, where, how did this marriage fail? It started when you were 99% wrong. And God said, your purpose now is to apologize and you refused. You would rather take the easy way out, spin the cold shoulder and, and pretend that work is your life. Right? Oh, it's a bit too serious in here. 
Is it, is it, I'm touching, am I touching raw nerves? And sometimes we go, oh man, I want this job. This is a better job. This is a better job. And God says, no, stay here. Stay here. This is, this is where I'm calling you. If you stay here for another six months, your colleague will come to know me. You would come to flourish. Your, your business and your company will flourish because you are here. But you say, no, I've got a better opportunity that elsewhere. But God is saying, no, you stay here. And then you move otherwise. And we as human beings, what we always do is we want the easy way out. We take the easy way out and we don't want to follow Jesus. And when we don't follow Jesus, the problem, sometimes we don't feel it. You see, did the Danites feel it in their time? No, they didn't. They had a, they had a city. They rebuilt the city. It was nice. They, they built the city. Not on rock and roll, but on <laughs> with murder and sticks and stones, right? They were fine. But it's their generations after that that suffered. It's the generational sin that the children of Israel will one day brought into captivity. So what I want to ask you this morning is, what did God call you to do that you are fighting against? That is a more difficult journey. Sometimes God is saying, I want you to anchor yourself in a church and a cell. Is it easy? Of course not. It takes up your Wednesday night, your Friday night, your Sunday or Saturday. It takes up your day. It's not easy, but it's the things of God and it's good for you. But we, we fight against it and we want the easy way out. So what is it that God has called us for and we turn the other way and says, no, I, I'd rather not. i really, really rather not. And sometimes we can end up like the tribe of Dan, which leads me to my last point. If you think that's bad, I think this is worse. Judges 18, verses 30. There, in the northern city of Dan, the Danites set up for themselves the idol and Jonathan, son of Gershom, the son of Moses, and his sons were priests for the tribe of Dan until the time of the captivity of the land. They continued to use the idol Micah had made all the time the house of God was in Shiloh. What is so shocking about this verse is at the end of the book of Judges, you get the revelation of who this Levite is. Who this Levite is, is very important. He's not just any Levite. He's not just any priest. He is Jonathan, the son of Gershom, the son of Moses. The same Moses that knew God face to face. The same Moses that God used to bring the Israelites out of Egypt. The same Moses that split the Red Sea and saw pillars of fire and pillars of cloud by night. The same Moses that spoke to the rock and the water came out. The same Moses that erected a bronze stick and everybody was healed. The same Moses that uttered his words and the, the, the earth split open. The same Moses when at the deathbed of Moses, the Lord said this about him, Moses, my servant, knew me face to face. The same Moses that had the glory of God shone from his face till he had to wear a veil. You know, sometimes I wish that were me, all right? Women, you should wish, girls, you should wish it was you. You don't have to worry about makeup for at least 40 days, all right? Just glory of God, veil, that's it, all right? I wish it was me, like God, Wow, the glory of God was on, on the face of Moses till he had to wear a veil because it was shining so brightly. Can you imagine that Moses to whom God has called and his descendants were a hired priest? What is wrong with being a hired priest? Priests were never meant to be personal or hired. That was never their purpose, never their destiny. Priests were Levites who were always called to serve at the temple of God. That is their inheritance. That is their purpose. The moment a Levite takes money in order for him to perform his duty, that is no longer the calling of a priest. You see, we have gone so far from what God has intended us to be. Vision leaks. The why leaks. Everything, culture leaks. Everything leaks. And in generations to come, Micah set up a shrine. The Danites set up a, a, a city of shrine, a city of idols. And then the Levites lost his identity. What is my point? You know, it's really sad. Sometimes when we, you know, if you're a parent in this place or a to-be parent, sometimes you've got to think for ourselves. We work so hard. We work so hard to, to have a good legacy, don't we? We want a good legacy for our children. We want the best of our children. But if we know that our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren are worshipping idols, don't you think it will break your heart? Because it will break mine. And I believe it will break 
It's God's heart. And that's why Jonathan, the son of Gershom, and so explicitly the son of Moses, was mentioned here. See, we all ask, what else do I have? And I believe that Micah, the Danites, and the Levites were also asking themselves, what else do I have? What do I want in this life? Micah, he wanted prominence. Don't you think? He had a shrine set up. With a shrine, like I said, people will come and worship at your shrine. That's influence. That's position. People will want, us, will, will want to polish your apple. Oh, that's, that's position and power. And every time they worship at your shrine, you can incur a tax. Oh, that's money. All right? That's prominence. Micah wanted prominence, and the moment he was taking it away from him, Micah says, what else do I have? What did the Danites want? The Danites wanted their inheritance, but they're not, they wanted their possession of the land, but they're not, not willing to fight for it. They're not willing to take up the promises of God for it. They're willing to kill and steal from innocent and peaceful people to get it. They wanted inheritance. They wanted what belongs to me. And the Levite, all he wanted was acceptance. Maybe he couldn't find it at the temple of God. Maybe he couldn't find it there. So he wanted to find it amongst his friends. First, Micah was saying, oh, you're a good Levite. Thank you for being here. I admonish, I, I affirm you. I applaud you. I appreciate you. So he feels good about himself. And then he left Micah for a bigger appreciation, which is the tribe of Dan. Now the whole tribe appreciates you. The whole tribe look up to you. See, the Levite was looking for acceptance. And sometimes in our lives, all these three things is what we look for in our lives. It's what Israel looked for. Don't you think? Israel wanted prominence. That's fine. Israel wanted inheritance. That's fair. Israel wanted acceptance amongst the people. That's fair. But forget Israel. Don't you think that's what we want in our lives? We want prominence, don't we? Oh, it's, it's good to have a position. It's good when you go to a restaurant and everybody knows your name. A bar called Cheers where everybody knows your name. I'm giving away my age, you know? It's good, it's nice, where, where if you go for a Chinese New Year reunion dinner, everybody applaud you, rather than snicker behind your back. I want prominence. It's, it's good, it feels good to have a title, right? To have a LLB at the back, to have an IR in front, to have a DR in front, whatever it may be, it's good to have a title, because with the title comes respect, comes honor due to your name. We all want inheritance, don't we? I want you to imagine how God must have felt a heart of the Father. I've given you, my son, the inheritance of this land. It's a good land. You know, the Danites were beside the sea. It's, one of the, it's, it's a good land beside the Mediterranean Sea. I've given you the best, but you shun it for something else. Imagine you give your inheritance to your kids, whatever it may be, and your kids say, no, Thanks, Dad, but no thanks. I'd really rather have something else. Would it break your heart? It would break your heart. And I think, I think they bro broke God's heart. But that's what they wanted. That's what we all want, possessions. Don't you think? It'd be nice to have a bigger house. It'd be nice to have more cars, right? Cars that don't break down half the time. It'd be nice to have a good job, a good career. It might, it's nice to have an iPhone 14 Pro Plus Max whatever it may be now, right? Instead of my iPhone, 13. All right, come on, guys. 13, so 2010. Okay, fine, it's 2021. 20, it's nice. Don't, don't we want acceptance? Don't we want to feel good when people shake your hand and say, thank you, appreciate you, God bless you. We want, we want that affirmation from friends, don't we? From leaders, from church, whatever it may be, we want that acceptance. But you see, the children of Israel forgot one thing, which I want to remind us all this morning. The summary from the book of Deuteronomy and the book of Joshua. See, when we forget this, we then run to the world. We run to everything else to get our acceptance, to get our significance. You tell me who I am, world, and I will live for you. You see, what, what did the Israelites forget? What did they forget? that God had so many times reminded them. In the book of Joshua and in the ending of the book of Deuteronomy, did God not already promise all this to you? He did. 
Let me read it for you. The book of Joshua says, before you conquer the land, before you go into the promised land, verse 3 says, I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. I will give you every place that you set your foot. Oh, I wish, I wish God would say that to me. Oh, God, He gives me every place I set my foot. I tell you what, if God says that to me, you can guarantee I will track the hall of Damansara and PJ and KL and I will walk to Penang. I tell you, I, I will walk to Penang. Give, you give me every place my foot set on. But that was God's promise to the Israelites. He already promised them prominence. I will already give to you these things. He promised them prominence. Did they remember? No, they forgot. What was next? No one will be able to stand against you. See, God never promised that nobody will stand against you. Yes, there will be enemies that will fight against you. There will be enemies that will be in your way. But what is God's promise? That no one will be able to stand against you. They can fight you. They can try. But they will not succeed. You are victorious because you have Jesus Christ. Look, did they already not have their inheritance? As I was with Moses so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Isn't that acceptance? You don't have to have acceptance from people when you have acceptance from the Most High God. He has accepted you. You are mine and I am yours. God has already promised acceptance. He's already promised inheritance. I have given you this land. This is your inheritance. I am giving it to you. Take it. Take it. Be strong and very courageous. Have I not commanded you? Verse 9. Be strong and very courageous. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Why? Because the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Lord, Yehovah Sabaoth will fight for you. The Lord of hosts will fight. Oh, can you imagine? I want you to take an imagination right now. Every difficulty, every problem that you're facing, every stress, every anxiety that you're facing right now, every crisis, every argument that you're facing. I want you to imagine today as you leave this place, the Lord says, says to you, oh, the Lord's Jehovah Sabaoth will fight for you. You will have victory. Will you not go out with, with a smile on your face, with confidence in your heart, with your head held high because you know that the Lord Almighty fights for you. But sometimes we forget that He fights for us. Sometimes we forget. And the Lord only asks of us one thing. One thing. Be strong and courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it on the right or the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. One thing He desires, obedience. And we find that so hard to do. But we want everything else, or we want everything that comes from the fruit of obedience, but we, we don't want to walk in obedience because that's difficult. We are like the Danites. It's difficult to walk in obedience. It's difficult to count the cost of following Jesus. It's difficult to be the disciples of Jesus. It's difficult. You know, I just heard that there's a 24-hour prayer altar for 40 days. 40 days, 24 hours, 7 prayer altars. Man, is that difficult? But if, but if you walk in obedience, you take up one or two slots, that's walking in obedience. But we, we want the salvation of the nation. We want the blessings of my family, but we don't want to walk in obedience. That's, that's the spirit of the Danites. You see, I'm going to ask a question. Did the judges, in the whole book of Judges, whatever judge it may be, did they all fulfill their prophetic destiny? What is their prophetic destiny, you may ask? That's a good question. You have to know what their prophetic destiny is before you, before you answer the question. You see, God commanded Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 31 and God commanded Joshua in, Deuteronomy, in, in Joshua chapter 24 one singular command to the Israelites. God told Moses, you tell the children of Israel, you walk in my ways and you fear the Lord your God and I will give you this land. God told Joshua in the book, uh, in Joshua chapter 24 verse 14, I will fear the Lord and I will be faithful to the Lord and I will serve the Lord God Almighty all the days of my life. But as for you, if you do not deem it good, and if you do not deem it so, then you choose which God you want to serve, whether the gods beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. We remember the second part, but we forget the first part. You see, I believe, I believe in my heart of hearts that the destiny and the calling and the purpose of each judge was not only just to bring peace, which they did, but it's to lead all of Israel into obeying the Lord and to fearing the Lord God Almighty. Did they achieve it? No. They only achieved the objective, which is peace. Peace. 
peace with the enemy. And peace with the enemy does not mean conquering the enemy. Peace with the enemy, it could be a handshake. You don't attack me, I don't attack you. That's peace. But what did God wanted that for the Israelites? No, God says you're supposed to go in and conquer. How many times do we make peace with the enemy in our lives? Right? The spirit of lying will make peace with you. You don't disturb me, I don't disturb you. But, but you know, we cohabitate. Right? You know, the spirit of, you, you add what it is. ABC. You don't disturb me, I don't disturb you. But we cohabitate. We make peace with the enemy. Did God ask us to make peace with the enemy? No. It is our inheritance to go into the promised land to conquer so that we can be free and live free. So I ask you this question. What else do I have? What is my inheritance? What else do I have as a people of God? And the answer is, our inheritance is in the Lord. Our inheritance is in the Lord. I tell you why I say that is my inheritance. Because we are, we are the modern-day Levites. We are the modern-day priests. I tell you why we're the modern-day priests. Because God called us not just to be priests, we are now called to be royal priesthood. We serve the King of kings in the court of the kings as the priest who intercedes on behalf of the people. We are royal and we are priesthood. And what did God say is the inheritance of the priests in the Bible. In Deuteronomy chapter 18, verses 1 to 3, the law says, the Levites' inheritance is the Lord's. They don't have land, they don't have cars, they don't have cattle, no agriculture, nothing. Their inheritance is in the Lord and our inheritance is in the Lord and then you ask me but I pastor what does that mean my inheritance is in the Lord I don't understand what does it mean my inheritance is in the Lord oh I want to quote this for you I love I didn't read it so well in my in the last service but I want to read it better in this service my inheritance in the Lord comes from this beautiful Psalms called Psalm 73 it says when my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered I was senseless and ignorant I was a brute beast before the Lord yet Yet, I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you will take me into your glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. He is the strength of my heart and my inheritance forever. Inheritance in the Old Testament is called portion and my lot. In the New Testament, sometimes it's most of the time it's called God is my inheritance. And then you ask, what is this inheritance? Oh, it's beautiful. I want to quote for you Hebrews chapter 9. For this reason, for this very reason, Christ is the mediator of the new covenant that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance that is in Christ Jesus. Who is our inheritance? It shall never be a what. It's a who is our inheritance. It is name is Christ Jesus. He is my inheritance. He, we are heirs and call as of Christ. Whatever Christ has achieved, we can. Christ has put everything in us and all of Christ in me and all of me in Christ. He is my inheritance. And if Christ is, 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 is my inheritance, what value does gold have anymore? What value does Bitcoin have anymore on my life? What value does my house have compared to the expounding riches that is Jesus Christ that is my inheritance you know when I read that Jesus you are my inheritance you know what I feel I said Jesus you slept in the middle of a storm sometimes in my life there's a storm Jesus if you are my inheritance help me sleep in the storm give me that peace in my storm of my life that I know I know that you will pull me through the storm you know what it means when Jesus healed the blind man and Christ is my inheritance, it means that when I pray, there is power in my prayer to heal somebody else because Christ is my inheritance. Is Christ not your shield? When you fight a battle, it's your shield. Do you know in the Old Testament what the shield means? If you suppose, one day I want to preach it. You know shield? Shield is a shield, right? But this shield is slightly different. This shield is a huge armor but this armor is not for defense. 
this armor, this shield is meant for offense. So if you say God is your shield, you're not playing defense. You're not playing a 1-4-5 position. Right? You're playing a 0-0-10 position. All right? You're all forward, all offense. Because this shield in the Bible, I can't remember the Hebrew word, but this shield was meant to conquer fortresses. This shield was meant to go forward and God says, I am your shield. When you want to fight and break a stronghold, I am your shield. When the arrows of the enemy comes up against me, I am your shield. When the, when the armies of Satan comes up against you, I am your shield and I am your strong tower. Which means that when you need to rest at night because you're lethargic from battle, you retreat to the strong tower that is Jesus Christ. That no matter what armies will come against you, Jesus is your strong tower. He is your shield and your rampart. Is He not your joy? Is it not your love? Is it not your peace? Is it not your hope? And that is our inheritance in Christ Jesus. Oh man. There's only one, there's only one thing I want to say left. How much do we live it out? You know, it's so good in theory, but sometimes we don't believe it in ourselves. Sometimes we don't receive it. Sometimes it doesn't break through that Jesus, you're the king of my heart. You know, I was reading an article about the next gen in America, not here. Do you know that 35% of churches now have lost their next gen in America and they call it a crisis. You know, sometimes I speak to people here in Malaysia and they say, yeah, the young, the tired, the tired of the things of God. They're no longer interested in the things of God. They're tired of all these churchy things. And you know, I had to take months to ask God, God, is this truth or is this not? And God says, no, this is a lie. What is the truth? The truth is God is invested in generations. That if there is a move and a revival in the old generation, there will be a move and a revival in the next generation. There will not be stagnancy in the faith. There is no lackadaisialness in the faith. There is no boredom and tiresome in the faith. And I see as, you know, I was, I was from as I stand at the door, do you know that three out of four hands I shook was below the age of 35 in this hall itself. And I'm so encouraged as I look across the faces and I see that you are the next generation. You will not be tired of the things of God. You will not be a Jonathan, son of Gershom, son of Moses, that will lead the people astray. You will not be a King Jeroboam that will set up a shrine in the city of Bethel and the city of Dan. You will not be Micah, who does not even understand his inheritance in the Lord. You will not be Israel, who do not and have forgotten their inheritance. You will be a people of God and you will remember that your portion is in the Lord. You will remember that your joy is in the Lord. You will remember that your revival, that your spirit, that your fire that comes from within is in the Lord. You will remember that you will be excited for the things of God, that you would rise up and that you would take hold of the things of God and you will bring it into your families and you will bring it into your businesses and you will bring it into your schools and you bring it into your colleges and you will change the landscape of the world because if Christians do not change the landscape of the world, then who will? We are called. You must understand that we are called to come into the promised inheritance of Christ Jesus. And we need to take hold of that calling. We cannot afford to be tired. We cannot afford to let COVID win. We cannot afford to let a virus win. We cannot afford to let the movement of darkness, the new Ten Commandments win. You're going to let that win? No, we're not. We're going to push back the spirit of darkness and we're going to understand our inheritance. Parents in this place, if you've got children that, that, that does not know the Lord, do we not want to intercede on their behalf? Do we not want them to come back to know Jesus? Yes, we do. Do we not want them to be on fire for Jesus? Young people in this place, if you are feeling a sense of tiredness in yourself, I'm calling you forth to get rid of that spirit and to come back and to be excited for Christmas because this Christmas, we're going to crown King Jesus as King. He is born into this world, not so that we can be tired. We're born in this world. He is born so that we can live a life, a free life, a life of victory, a life of proclamation, a life of declaration that He is King. And we're not. He is King. He did not come to die so that Christians can be tired of church. He came to die so that we can all be excited about the things of God. Bring joy into our family. Come on.
on church. We need to know our inheritance and who our King Jesus is. Otherwise, we will end up like them. Do we want that? Do we want our next generation to inherit this? No, we need to rise up. So can I call? Can I call us to stand? Let's rise. We want to sing this song. But as we sing this song, I want ministry to happen. I want to call. I want to make a call to all those. If you feel like you need a breakthrough in your life, I want to call you forward. If you feel like you, you are battling a spirit of tiredness, you're battling a spirit of, of, of just lackadaisialness, I want to call you forward because we want to pray for you. We want to believe that the fire of revival will start. We don't need to wait for next year. It can start today. Thank you, Jesus. And I want to call you forward. If you are on fire for God, you want to be on fire for God, you want God to do something in your spirit to wake you up, that at the first note that has been played, oh, you cry because the presence of God touches you. It all depends on your spirit. I call you forward because we want to anoint you and pray for you that you'll be excited for the things of God. Thank you, Jesus. And lastly, if you have children in this place, your, ch your children may not be coming to church anymore. Your children may not know Jesus anymore. We want to pray for you. We want to intercede on your behalf. And we want to declare that your children will love Jesus all the days of their life and goodness and mercy will always follow them. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So I open up the altar. The pastors and the leaders will pray for us. Pray for you as we minister with this song very softly. But if that is you, can I invite you to come on forward and you'll be prayed for. Thank you, Jesus. You're the King of my heart. Thank you, Father God. Father God, I pray, Lord Jesus Christ, that we all here, Father God, we will understand who we are in Christ Jesus. We will not chase the things of this world. We will not chase things that will let us down. We will not chase things that will demand more from us, but we will chase the Lord God Almighty, the Lord God who has provided for us, the Lord God who has fought for us, the Lord God who has loved us, the Lord God who has cared for us, and the Lord God Almighty who has sent His one and only Son to die for us. And in this Christmas season, we are reminded, Father God, that You send Your only one and only begotten Son to be born as a baby so that we can have a high priest who intercedes on our behalf on the heavenly throne of heaven. We thank you, Lord God. So I pray, Father God, that we will always understand who we are in Christ Jesus, that you are my portion, you are my lot, and you, oh Lord God, are our inheritance. We thank you, Father God. So I pray, Lord God, that you just separate us now with your love, your joy, your peace, that the weak Lord Jesus Christ will be filled and filled with the peace of God. We thank you, Lord God. We bless you, Lord. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 God is a good God. Thank you so much. God bless you, church. If you're new here, come and say hello to us at the hospitality and at the connect counter. God bless you. Have a great week ahead. Thank you, Jesus.